G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Murch and today an artiste whose record has brought me back to listening to music at a deeper level. So let's dive straight in. Molly Drag was creatively born in London, Ontario in the autumn of 2014. By the summer of 2016, they found themselves making music in Montreal, Quebec, and with their latest album, Touchstone, there is a yearning, reflective inside and a wash of memories all on one release. A release that they state is dedicated to the many strong women in my life that made me become the better person I am today. While on the road in the tour van across America, they spoke to Radio Notes, first from Washington, D.C., then the following day from Charlottesville, Virginia, for an unscripted chat. Joining us on their tour from Washington, D.C., Molly Drags, Michael, welcome to Radio Notes. Hello. Currently in the touring van, the vibe of this current tour. I wanted to do this tour in like the fall because like I feel like the band that I'm touring with, Past Life, they're from Philadelphia, and this is my third tour with them. And I think every one we did before was in the summer. It was, like, really hot, and I don't really deal well with the heat, so I wanted to do it in the fall. So it's really nice because we can kind of see, like, the trees and the leaves, like, changing color as, like, we get more into the tour. We started in Philly. We were in Baltimore last night, and tonight we're in D.C. So I guess we're kind of going, we're going down south. What's the most south we're going to be? New Orleans is going to be the most south and then we're coming back and we end it in New York November 1st so we're playing like I think 24 25 shows something like that is there a differentiation between the live and the recorded for Molly Drag I feel like we probably play them a little bit heavier than the records a little bit more of my emotive kind of thing like I'm not playing acoustic guitar I'm playing like electric guitar. So yeah, I guess it just gets a little heavier. Kind of like what Elliot Smith used to do when he would tour for like EXO. He would play all of his like acoustic songs on like electric, pretty turned up pretty high with like a full band. And he's like one of my biggest influences. So I guess it's just like heavier than what it is on the record. Speaking about other artists, how did Aaron of Fog Lake change your life? Well, I was really into his music. Uh, Aaron when I was going through a pretty rough time and I ended up reaching out to him I had another project at the time that it wasn't going really well, it was another band that I wasn't feeling good about and we started talking a lot over Tumblr and I sent him some demos of like stuff I was working on just by myself like on my girlfriend's or well my girlfriend at that time, her laptop and he was like you should quit your band and you should be focusing most on this project. So basically, if he didn't kind of push me in that realm, this project probably wouldn't really exist or it'd be under a different name. I've known Aaron now for eight years. I've toured in his band, like every instrument in his band. I've been on five tours with Fog Lake. One of them was a month-long tour in Europe. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. Can we go a little bit further back? Because the second single of Touchstone is called Charlotte. That very song touches on that idea of returning home. What was growing up like in the hometown? I like I'm from a pretty small town where a lot of my friends, like close friends, kind of never really like left and remained there. And I mean, drugs, alcohol, and pretty prevalent there. And a lot of our 
all of my friends growing up were had divorced parents. When we were younger, we would just try to stay out of the houses, our houses as much as possible. So I just like, you know, just kind of walks like the lyrics, like walks at night, it seemed to do you good. That's basically really, it was like, like a place where you just kind of wanted to get out from, but also you kind of feel like you're stuck in it because like, it creates a safe atmosphere because you're, you're used to it and you know it. When did you first engage with the skateboard? Uh, when I was probably like 12, 12, when did I get serious about it? When I was about like 14, 15 and then I worked at a skate shop for a bit. I don't skateboard that much anymore because I had a pretty bad injury a couple of years ago. W- was that an escape from what was happening in the home life? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, all the music that I really started listening to are from skate videos. Like I first found out about Molly, or not much, uh, My Bloody Valentine from, uh, from uh, a skate video and I found out about Elliot Smith, Dinosaur Jr. So yeah, they're kind of influential in that way. And then I kind of, all my friends started getting a lot better at skateboarding than me, and I kind of needed something else to do. And at that time, my mom bought me a keyboard. So I just started learning how to play, like, Elliot Smith songs and eventually bought a guitar and then downloaded a program called Audacity. So I would just make demos, and I would just, like, record a guitar or lead and then put it in reverse and be like, what the hell? How did I, like, I didn't know you could do stuff like this. Like, that's how the Beatles did it, whatever. What's been the progression over the five albums for you? Personally, I feel like um, lyrically more brighter, maybe not as dark or recording wise too. I've always kind of had like a really simple setup of just like one microphone and one interface with two plugins. So I can only really do two things at a time. But now I change it up now where when I do drums and pianos, I go to like a rehearsal space. So just so I can kind of get a better acoustic or whatever i'm not really good with gear i'm kind of just mm, using what i have and how i know how to use it like i I use garage band to record i don't see myself ever using anything else just because i know how to use it like i've tried to use other things i just like it's just gonna take me too long to learn it so i'm comfortable with garage band at the moment michael what do you use for the songwriting process are you a pen and paper or a keyboard kind of guy i i do pen and paper but i do notes on my phone too do a lot of writing when i'm going for i go for really long walks there's a mountain in montreal it's called mount royale and it's really beautiful and i go up walks there and you know i'll I'll just write certain things once in a while sometimes i like to write like short stories and i'll take stanzas from those jackson pollock it a little bit (laughs) what's the most inspiring thing you've seen during those walks well there's a cemetery at the very top of the mountain that's super old it's like over 100 years old I don't know. I always kind of like going up there because it's just like, I can't believe like they brought bodies all the way up here to bury them. That's probably for some cultural reason. Is that the case? So that the uh, yeah, the, dead, yeah. can, the well, dead can look over? Yes, exactly. There's a big cross up there. I think it was like Jesuit priests and stuff like that. Like the Jesuits that came over from, uh, from France first cl- colonialized that area of Montreal. The nature's really good up there. There's a, like a p- big creek pond type of thing. That's really cool. You've dedicated this record to the women in your life. Who has been the most influential woman in your life? Probably my mom. Like I lived with my mom most of the most of my life. I didn't. I didn't see my dad very much. She's just like super tough. Like she's just really, you know, she's very emotional, and I get that from her. And she's just really, like, you know, she's just a great, great lady. She's she loves music. She loves to sing. So I feel like I get a lot of that from her. 
What's your earliest memory of your mother singing either in the house or to you? Probably singing. She was really into like R&B, singing like Mary J. Blige and stuff. The cover of the record's been done by your art teacher. How did that come about? Her name's Isla Kellerman. She was my art teacher for like four years. She always listened to Van Morrison in the class, like during it. And she kind of let me get away with not really doing pro- like the projects I was supposed to do. Like she would assign something like, oh, you can only use charcoal or whatever. And I would like use pastels and she would still grade it. My last semester of art class, I kind of was skipping a lot. I was smoking a lot of marijuana around that time and I would skip a lot of classes, but she still passed me when I knew that like, like I shouldn't pass that class. But uh, yeah, she's retired now from teaching and we kind of just started emailing and I asked her if she, I could use one of her paintings as a record cover. And then she was telling me how she, I was always one of her touchstone students and that really just, that word just kind of hit me. Like I forgot that word existed and I was I instantly knew like, okay, that's what I want to call the record. Have you had many touchstone people in your life? Yeah. Most of them women. My grandmother, who I lived with in high school. My mother. My art teacher. My longest relationship inspired. She sang. uh, Her name was Emily. She sang on, like, the first three Molly Drag records. I mean, I have a lot of, like, there's a lot of men in my life, too, that are influential. But I've always been more feminine and I've always had more friends that were women than men. Do you find comfort in that in any way? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I definitely do. You know, you can always like bring up Freud and he was kind of nuts, but he did have some points. (laughs) He did make some points, you know. Here on Radio Notes, let's rejoin Molly Drag on the road. Last time we spoke to them, they were in Washington, D.C. I believe they're now heading towards Charlottesville, Virginia. Michael, welcome back to Radio Notes. Hello. How was last night? Last night was great. It was a blast. It was a good show. It's like a record store. I got to leave some of my records on the shelf there. Good food, like vegan food. I'm vegan, so that was sick. Accommodating. We're also playing at a vegan soup place today that has soup, so I'm, I'm really excited to get some soup. That looks really interesting. What kind of soup are we talking about? Well, it's probably like autumn-based stuff. Like I think it's probably going to be like butternut squash soup, maybe some carrot soup, maybe some tomato basil soup, some soup soup. You mentioned that you dropped some records off at the record store. We should mention that you're out on Egg Hunt Record label for those that are looking to find the album. How's that been? And what was the signing up to a record like Egg Hunt like for you? It was full. I think I've submitted my music to them for the last couple of years. And Adam, the owner of the label, is he does it on a pretty small scale. He only works with one or two bands a year. I'm the second Canadian artist he's worked with. It's my first time having like kind of like a team of people that like like a social media person, even though I do most of that, like a tour publicist, like a booking agent. So like this, he supplied me with all of that. But he's he's a doctor. So he started this label kind of as like a passion project because he used to be in a post-punk band when he was younger. And 
after he went to medical school and everything and he had like a you know his life together i guess he just wanted to start a record label originally for bands in richmond virginia where he lives and then he kind of just started branching out new artists and stuff it's definitely really cool i know stolson label perla is another pearl of an artist have you had a chance to meet some of the other artists who are on the label i actually haven't yet but i will because my last tour i wasn't on egg hunt so but i will be because now the next three shows are all in virginia so i'm going to probably be meeting a few artists that are on the same label which will be cool perla's music is awesome i really like her new album She's super talented. I, I definitely recommend giving the album like a full listen for sure. Your previous albums were self-curated, produced, recorded, to remain honest. Is that still the case? For the most part, but um, now I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a bit of a control freak, kind of. So, But now, like on Touchstone, on the, on the song Nothing to See Here, my friend Ryan ended up playing drums on it because I couldn't quite do the the fluttery snare thing when you like hold the drumstick really lightly and it kind of flutters. I can't do that. And I wanted that on there. So he did it when I know that I'm not up to, like I'm not capable of doing it or someone can do it much better than me. Did you try it? I feel like, did I try it? Yeah, I tried it. I tried it like 10 times and then I just got really up. Then I was just like, Nope, can't do it. You, you Ryan. And he did it first take. He just sat down and nailed it. I feel like I'm a lot more open. Like I'm going to be having more other people on my records as I go on like on the song out like a light my friend Austin from the band pottery he plays sitar on it can you give us an idea of then the divvy up when it comes to performing the music live as a five piece I'm pretty open to improvisation as long as we stay in the general realm of the song length changes I'm lucky enough to have like a lot of friends who are all like talented musicians. And I mean, with, with the guys like in past life, they're definitely much more talented in, in musical theory and just performing music than I am. So I just kind of like let them do what they want. I kind of, I kind of want it to be a cathartic thing for everybody involved in it. So it's like, you're kind of, the song is kind of, is what's in charge. And as long as you like follow that gracefully, then I'm, I'm pretty much happy. Last night you got to share the uh, stage with what you've called at least in the last 24 hours, and of course that could change by time of release, but uh, one of your fave bands at the moment, Knife Wife. Well, who are Knife Wife and what was so good about them? Oh yeah, you saw that? Dude, Knife Wife are sick, man. I'm wearing a Knife Wife shirt right now. They're so good. They're just like, they really remind me of the fall. Just really dark, na- like really nasty chords and like floor tom, snare beats. A lot of empty space post-punk. How were the lyrics coming across? Captivating, but almost like kind of like disturbing lyrics too. Like there's a lyric, uh, Nico says like talking, the whole song is about finding like a dead dog in a freezer. <laughs> and I was just like, damn. They're definitely like the best band I've seen live in a while. They're very new. So the two, Ruby and Nico, they're both 17 and their drummer is 24. And they met at a show. Yeah, so they've been playing music with maybe for a couple of years, but they don't have a lot of music out. But I know they're working on something at the moment. I want them to sing on my next record. I think it would be really cool to have them do that. You've got something in mind, haven't you, for that sixth record in terms of collaborating a bit more? Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's already started. Like, I'm probably 80, 80 to 90% done another record now. 
This morning you tweeted, in dreams I'm moving through heavier water. Are you starting to feel some of those emotions even though you're on the road or were you being reflective to a time when that was the case? Oh, that tweet from this morning. That's a grouper lyric. Um, a musician, Liz Harris, I've been obsessed with her music since I was like 17. The song's called Heavy Water. I was just listening to it this morning, thinking about stuff, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> but maybe... Maybe there's a deeper meaning in there that I feel. You mentioned in our first part of the chat that you're a bit of a fan of the late, great Elliot Smith. I first heard about his music when I first saw the movie Goodwill Hunting when I was a kid and then uh, had dial-up internet at the time and I just searched up Goodwill Hunting music and I saw that he did the whole soundtrack for it. And then I just got really obsessed with him. I think there was this point in my life where all I was listening to was Elliot Smith and like Anti-Flag you can learn a lot from no. those two artists. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. What bands are informing the, the music that you're writing? Right now, I'm really into this guy from Sweden. He's like a techno musician called The Field. It's really like kind of dreamy, dream poppy techno. I listen to a lot of that. I've been listening to a lot of Caribou. He just released the song for the first time in like five years. How are these artists, do you think, influencing the sixth record and the making thereof? Oh, my next record is, has a lot more. Well, the one I'm working on now has a lot more um, electronic IDM and techno influences for sure. kind of want to change it up a little bit on this next one. I kind of want to have some fun with it because I tend to get bored if, if I feel like I'm pigeonholing myself into some place will it still I like surprising people will it still have the same emotive delivery or will that itself be a surprise from from the sounds of I don't think I can really write anything without having I think that's like why I write music anyway so I think it's always going to have that cathartic element to it Michael what are you reading at the moment a friend of mine just released a book called drone it's like a book of poetry and he just got them published and printed before I left, so he gave me a copy of that. So that's the only thing I have with me at the moment. Do you relate to the poetry scene back at home? Uh, mm, no, not really. <laughs> not, not too much, no. I don't, I don't really go to shows that much either. I'm, I'm pretty reclusive when I'm at home. Not like I don't like going to shows or I don't support music like or something. I'm not I'm not a big social gatherer person. I'd rather just have be with like three people sharing a bottle of wine or something rather than like go to a show. Talk to me about when you met Heather O'Neill. Oh, you do your research. Oh man. Well, I uh read her book in grade eleven. It's called Lullabies for Little Criminals. It was really I had to read it. It was part of our curriculum. And it really like changed my life. I even had a song called on my first record called Little Criminal. It's about that book. And when I moved to Montreal, like I realized that she lived in Montreal. So one night, I think I was kind of drunk. I just tweeted her the song. Like I wrote a song about your book. And then she DM'd me the next morning. She was like, hey, like I'm releasing a new book. I have a copy for you. Would you like to come? Would you like to go and have a cup of coffee with me? So we went to a cafe near my house and we sat for like an hour or so, had a really good conversation. It was pretty crazy. It was crazy too because people kept looking over at her. Like she's pretty famous in Montreal. So it was like, yeah, it's funny. So bizarre. Really, really random. I was really nervous. 
she's more than a triple threat. She's a poet, a journalist, and a screenwriter, as well as yeah, a novelist. Screen- exactly. Yeah, she's very active, and she's you know, she's very she's very moving with her words. Like her her reviews on stuff. Like I remember she was telling me that she went to Dubai to do like a journalism thing about design. I read her article just about like things I wasn't even interested in. And I was just like, Oh, your way with words are like incredible. The way that someone can like make something. I should like, I think she could, she could write about dirt or something. And I could, you know, I'd probably cry or something. Her latest book is called the lonely hearts hotel from memory. That book is really beautiful. It's really sad. Like it's really, it's a really heavy one. It all takes place in Montreal, so there's always there's like she's really like descriptive of like areas and neighborhoods of Montreal. There's definitely similarities to Lullabies for Little Criminals, except I think it's more it's a little bit more for a mature audience. It deals with pretty traumatic things of like rape and abuse and stuff, and it's like from the like from the first chapter, it gets it just dives right into it. It's a beautiful book, though. I highly recommend it if you're in a good place that you can handle reading that. Because some people can't, so. What was the school experience like for you? Yeah, I wasn't really involved in much. I mean, I did fine in school, but I wasn't involved in anything like extracurricular or... And I regret that, too. I regret not doing drama. You know, I'd go there, do my work, and I just really wanted to just go home (laughs) or hang out with my friends after. I just had, like, a small group of friends, really. I still talked to like three of my high school group pretty pretty well. Two of them drove up to Montreal for my record release show last week, which was crazy. They like rented a car and drove like nine hours to come see me. I mean, this past record release was probably the most like beautiful release I've had, just in terms of people saying stuff and like my whole like the restaurant I worked at, the entire staff came. Like a lot of musicians that I love came out. Just a lot of love. I feel like most supported I've ever felt in my life like tenfold right now i just feel like i have like a lot of people making sure i don't get super self-deprecative or anything kind of stay on beam so my best friend liam always says tells me to stay on beam people may interpret from the music that you might be one type of personality and that may be within you but you're actually got another side for the audience as well how should an audience react when they see you in the street for example yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have, I don't know, I just, I just grew up in a small town skateboarding and breaking into abandoned houses and stuff. I'm just, like, pretty much a joker at heart. But I, I, I can tell sometimes if, like, people approach me at shows that have listened to my music that they feel like maybe they have to be a little bit more, like, careful or something. And when it's just like, nah, like, it's all good. Don't worry. Where do you find your fun? I like dancing a lot. I like uh, I like cooking a lot. I like cooking for other people. I like to smoke marijuana. That's fun. Because it's now legal to do so in your country. How's that going? Is there a different vibe to smoking the uh, green back home these days? It's good to know exactly what you're smoking. So there's this place in Montreal called the SQDC, and it, it's a government place. It looks just like an Apple store. It's super bougie. And you like go in and there's indica, sativa or hybrid, there's oils, there's edibles, there's all sorts of things. It's good because for me, like I can only really smoke like a few type of strains that don't make me like kind of anxious. Like I can't smoke sativa because it makes me really too introspective. I don't really want to get like that. I'm kind of 
I'm more of a nighttime smoker. Like I smoke weed after I eat dinner and when I'm like laying around watching a movie or something. And does it heighten the performance abilities for you as a singer-songwriter? Not live. I can't smoke weed before I play live. No, I can't do that. But I can. I, I smoke weed when I'm recording for sure. Definitely during the writing process too, because it just makes you do things that you just wouldn't think about. It just kind of you just kind of noodled around on a piano or a guitar, and you're like, "Oh, that sounds cool." It's just kind of baked. But sometimes though, you'll listen to what you did the next day, and you'll be like, "Oh no, I smoked too much weed." What things do you do to actually keep healthy? My diet. I went vegetarian when I was 18, so that was 10 years ago. Was that very much when you turned 18? Yeah, my grandma didn't really let me really let me until I was 18 to go vegetarian. And then she started buying different groceries. Basically, it was a lot of peanut butter. I would go through like two kilograms of peanut butter in like a week, just smoking weed and eating peanut butter. Oh, what else? I take contrast showers. I go from really hot and really cold. The person that I'm seeing right now thinks I'm nuts for doing that. But like, I've just been doing it for a long time. So it shocks your system in the morning. So I usually end my showers with like five minutes of like the coldest I can handle. And it like shocks me. I think you said recently you're the happiest you've been in about three years or so. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I kind of fell in love with somebody recently. So that's good. Everything's kind of seems like it's really leveled and like copacetic in my life and all the areas in my life. I have a job that I like in a big van with friends that I like that I don't get to see all the time. So it's nice to spend time with them. Yeah, no, everything's really going good. I feel healthy. And in any way, is that going to hinder the songwriting process? Is happiness any sort of roadblock? (laughs) I I do want to take a little break from shows after this tour for a while over the winter, just get this other record finished. And I don't know. I don't think it's going to hinder it because I, you know, I still, everybody has down days. You know what I mean? I don't, open up my I don't turn on my iMac to be like all right Michael get sad like do this I don't do that it's like a an aura kind of thing if I'm feeling a certain way I'm gonna start making music with the person that I'm seeing too because she's like a DJ and makes music so we're gonna start a cool project together it's probably gonna be like techno I'm really excited to do that because I'm almost done this other record and then I want to start making music with her and then we're gonna start do a couple DJ performances. She's teaching me how to like run DJ programs because I've never done it before, like mashing stuff. And it's really fun. And she's really good at it. That's a new thing to learn. I love learning things. I like listening. What do you like about them or what do you like doing with them? Before I left for tour, we made this huge, she's celiac. So like I'm vegan, she's celiac. She can't eat gluten. So that's an interesting like diet dynamic. But we made this like awesome Italian dinner with like gluten-free pasta and eggplant and mushrooms and arugula and big salad, some gluten-free ciabatta. And then we watched a bunch of rom-coms together. I don't think it really matters what I'm doing with her. I just like being in her. Like, I just like being around her. Now you work at a restaurant. What's the top dish firstly at your restaurant? I work at a Bami restaurant. We have a lot of vegan items. I make the soups in the winter. I'm the soup guy. What is the fave soup when you're in charge? My most popular soup, uh, all our soups are vegan as well. My most the most popular soup at my work, and my boss messaged me the other day and said people are kind of like complaining that it's not there because it's the I make like a minestrone soup or minestrone with like butternut squash, white kidney beans, spinach, 
tomatoes, and then we put some soba noodles in it, which is like a buckwheat noodle. It's a dark noodle. It's good. It's really hearty. And I put a lot of like good olive oil in it. So it's like, it's got like fattiness to it. What meal do you like making for those that you're head over heels for? Oh, I made her like a really good chickpea salad the other day. I did it like five minutes and she was just like giving me like the craziest eyes. Like, how did you do this in five minutes? And I was like, I've been working in kitchens since I was like 14. I can do shit. You've been working in kitchens for 14 years. Yeah. My first job was at a restaurant in Midland called Mom's. It was a breakfast restaurant. What gives you joy in actually being in a kitchen and preparing a vegan meal? Probably pad thai because it's like a very specific process in making pad thai, especially like adding the ginger and garlic and oil in the pan and like waiting until it gets like dark brown. And then you right before you add your carrots and stuff, you got to throw in a bunch of like dried chili flakes. And then like the smell just like hits you. And then you just add everything else, and it just makes like a pad thai. I got to get some pad thai somewhere. I don't know if that's the Virginia thing, but I'm getting some pad thai. Molly Drag. Speaking on the road as they toured America, sharing tunes live from their Touchstone album, which is out through Egg Hunt Records. Next time, a singer-songwriter with currently two songs out, Taylor Carroll will be our feature guest. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 